Obviously, this morning we're talking about indicators. Um, so, how do I go from talking about indicators to talking then about conflict? Yeah. <laughs> Anyone been in the car and you're driving along and the person sitting next to you goes to you, why did you go this way? Oh, is this new? Is this... <laughs> exactly. Why are you turning left here? Um, well, because I'm driving. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, I wouldn't have gone this way. Well, thank you. But I'm going this way. Right? Or, or when you get to a roundabout. Roundabouts are great, aren't they? They're a great test of our patience, roundabouts. Whether you're behind a person who's just not going into the roundabout and you're wondering how much room do they need to get in to people who get into the roundabout and don't use their indicators at all. And so you've got to kind of guess where they're going. And you're standing there and you see them going this way and that way and you're like, I could have gone. All you had to do was use an indicator. Conflict. Conflict. Um, you know, I, I, I have this issue with God. And that issue is every time I preach on something, he always gives me real-life experiences right the week that I'm preaching about it. So this week for me has been an interesting week of conflict. But what I've come to realize time and time again, look, I've lived in five different countries. I've paid taxes to five different governments in five different countries. It's, it crosses cultures. It crosses country boundaries. Conflict is the same the world around. And even more so in churches. It's one thing that unites us. We all do conflict terribly. It really is. It's the truth, right? And for some of us, I mean, I, you get the verse like this one in Romans, where it says, if it's as possible for you, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so we go to great extremes to live at peace with everyone and everything, even when we're not at all peaceful. And it's fascinating because Jeremiah comes up with this verse. He says, they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. You know, like I said, five different countries. I've ministered in four of them. And I can tell you, 
Everyone has the same experience with church meetings. Every place I've been to, horror stories about church meetings. I'm sure some of you that have been here for a long time can remember some of the bad meetings you've had. Why? Why is that? I mean, I thought, you know, I'd been in several really bad church meetings. Um, but when I went to power, they told me some of their stories. One guy had a heart attack in a church meeting. He was so angry at the pastor that he got up and started pointing his finger. He had uh, a heart attack and died. That has an impact on a church meeting, by the way. <laughs> um, shall we go to vote? No. <laughs> uh, in another meeting at a power, one guy got so angry at the chair of the elders that he literally picked up a chair and threw it at him. And you think, oh my goodness, why do we not do this well? Well, because I think we pretend at being at peace when actually there is no peace. We're unable to actually confront the issues that divide us. And we're unable to do it in a way that is God-honoring, that is people-honoring, and that is honoring our concerns as well. And, and look, you know, it's not just in church. I mean, this is just humanity in general, right? I mean, those of you who have been married long enough... You can think of some of the conflicts you've had with your partner, right? Or is it just me? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, whenever I do premarital counseling, this is part of the problem with churches, I think, when you get groups of people. We want to fit. We all want to just make every, everything good and right. So we're like two spoons that, you know, we fit perfectly. We all work it really well together. And married couples, when they're coming into marriage, they want to fit perfectly, right? Because everything's great and everything's... But then, you know, you shake two spoons. What's going to happen? They go apart. And I keep telling them, you know what? It's going to be like two forks. And, you know, first thing they think of is two forks on top of each other. No, two forks that kind of grind and push and pull and, you know, makes that really ugly noise that they make, you know, when they're grinding. You know, because the Bible says iron sharpens iron and we think that's really cool, but we forget that a lot of sparks fly when you sharpen iron with iron. It's a grinding process. It's really ugly to hear and sometimes really ugly to experience. And sometimes in marriage, it's like that, you know, you grind and you grind, but, you know, guess what? After time and you get through it and you keep pushing through, guess what's going to happen? Because I, I have it happen in my little drawer when I pull them out and I see one of, someone in the family put two forks like that. Not you, Bella. Not you, Monica. Me, okay? That's me being the peacekeeper. Um, putting two forks together and you pull them out and you see that they're stuck together. It takes a bit to pull them apart, doesn't it? <laughs> it takes a bit to pull it apart. That's because they're wedged. And the reason why churches tend to fall apart so easily is we don't take our time to wedge ourselves with each other. Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians, I'm using the message version because the NIV uses the word judge, and I know us Christians have, you know, we get triggered when we hear the word judge. So I'm going with the, with the message version. He says this, you can't just go along with this, treating it as acceptable behavior. I'm not responsible for what outsiders do, 
But don't we have some responsibility for those within our community of believers? God decides on the outsides, but we need to decide when our brothers and sisters are out of line. Like, if I've got an issue, I need to bring it up with you guys. I should be able to bring it up. If you've got an issue with me, we should be able to bring it up with each other. But it's difficult, isn't it? Because we just want peace. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus talks about peacemakers. But we tend to be peacekeepers. We don't make peace. We just want to keep it. Now, when it comes to conflict, there are different ways that a lot of us face it. Some of them, we call them, or I call them, the shutdowners. Ever seen an area of conflict, when two people are in conflict, someone just shuts down? Who's a shutdowner? <laughs> a couple of hands went up. We shut down, right? Because we can't deal with it. We don't want to leave, but we sit there and we go completely silent. We don't want to, and especially if you're um, seeing another two people fighting, some of us just go into shutdown mode. So there are shutdowners. Um, did something go wrong with my slides? Okay, there we go. The fleers. Who knows? Who's a fleer? Like the moment conflict happens, you're out the door. Oh, <laughs> you can't be both, John. <laughs> um, it's fascinating. Monica and I, we, we've really had to work hard with conflict, the two of us. Um, and it's fascinating that, that when, you wouldn't believe this, like knowing me, you, you just wouldn't believe this. I would shut down whenever conflict happened in our first years of marriage. And Monica saw that as I didn't care because I wasn't shouting back. I just went complete shutdown mode. And, and so I had to learn to react so that way she could feel like we're having a proper discussion. But the problem began after a while when she needed to leave the room and I would chase after her trying to resolve the issue. She's fleeing and I'm going after her. Anyone been in a situation like that? Where you just want to get out and the person keeps coming after you. There's a lot of us that flee when it comes to conflict. We just don't want to deal with it. There's also the fighters, the ones that just have to fight it till the very end. Who's a fighter? Who's honest enough to say they're a fighter? Oh, yeah. We've got to resolve this now. The Bible verse says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. We're going to keep here going until... Yep. Well, what if the sun goes down? No, we're going to keep going because it's going to come back up and then go down. We're going to keep going. Deep into the night. We're not going to sleep until we resolve this. Fighters. And you wonder why some of us are fleers. We've also got the strugglers. And you can see the strugglers because, especially if you're in a group situation, they're the ones that sit there and they want to get involved. And you can see they're about to say something and then they stop. You know, they want to say something, but they don't want to make it worse or, or say something might hurt someone or, you know, it's, yeah, the, strugglers, any strugglers out there? Then, of course, there's the ignorers. The ignorers are fantastic people. There's, you know, Armageddon's happening and they're thinking about the weather. Right? And then the ones that I can't stand, the frustrator, frustratorers. 
Because the moment you ask them, because they've been silent the whole time in the argument, you ask them, well, what do you think? And they think, I think we just need to calm down. (laughs) They're usually the wise ones. And who wants wise people when we're having conflict? I mean, it, it, it happens. And there's other, most probably other examples that some of you can think of. And, and a lot of this is dictated a lot by how we were raised and usually by circumstances that have shaped us to be that. The fleers, they've just seen it happen in their lives too much. For those of us who shut down, we don't like loud things happening. We, just, we can't handle it. We shut down. We don't like people not getting along. We shut down. The fighters, who usually are all about justice, we've got to work this out. We've got to get through this. Why? Because all my life I see these things never been dealt with. We've got to deal with this now. And the ignorers, they're like, uh, don't want to know about it. There's too much going on in my life as it is. I don't want to know about this. If I just ignore it, it might go away. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says, for they will be called children of God. It's interesting that he uses the word peacemakers, not peacekeepers. And it's interesting that he says they'll be called the children of God. In our context today, children are thought of as cute and and innocent. But for a Jew to hear that, a child was an inheritor of his father's kingdom. It was a position of authority, of succession. So saying that to the people, he's saying, if you are a peacemaker, you will be a successor in God's kingdom. That's how important this is. It's not being this little cool, innocent person. That's the way we interpret it today. That's not the way the Jew would have interpreted it. Not the way the first readers listening to this would have taken it. Oh, children, that means they're important. That means... They're heirs to God's kingdom. That's how important this is to Jesus. Peace is actually important for us as his people, for us as his children. Breaking it down in the Greek, Aireno poios, it's two words. Aireno means to join, to be restful. And the second word means to make certain poios, to make certain, to bring about. So out of all these verses, I'm going to give you a definition of a peacemaker that I want you to think through. And this is what it means. A person who brings about and makes certain the joining and restfulness of relationships by not just dressing the wounds, but going to the very cause of the unjoining and the unrestfulness. How difficult is that? It's awful. Conflict is awful. I haven't slept for the last two weeks. And every time I'm dealing with these issues, you think, oh, get over it, Rob. No, I am unjoined and I'm unrestful. I can't go to sleep without this rolling around in my head. Can you? If you're at odds with somebody, how can you? 
I, I didn't write down the verse, but I want to read the, the message version of Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to have to take my glasses off. It says, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. Don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Because what happens when we don't go to the very cause of the unjoining unrestfulness, we remain unrestful and unjoined. That's how conflict works. And the longer you let it go, the more it festers until you get to a church meeting and you're really angry at that point. Because you've never dealt with the unjoining. You've never dealt with the unrestfulness. And I get couples that come to me who are so angry at each other. And you think, it really is stupid. I mean, you realize what you're angry over. You can't tell them that. Because you know exactly how they feel because you felt that way yourself. You've allowed it to fester and grow. And, 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 and it's just eating away at you. Till it gets to that point. where you've completely demonized everybody around you. We're called to be peacemakers. We're called to make peace happen. It's not an easy job. It's, it's really hard. And some of us might be able to deal with it better than others. God bless them. I need them in my life. Know about you? <laughs> My supervisor this week, who's actually a good friend of mine, he's taken over at a power baps, and, and he said to me this week, he goes, Rob, there's a real positive thing about you. You're really loyal. And when it comes to conflict, you will stand behind them, high, hell or high water, you're there. But that's also your weakness. You're like a pit bull sometimes. And he always keeps telling me, you know, Rob, you've got all these Latino genes in you. You've got to massage that little old Anglo gene within you to just bring them to life sometimes because you need that little bit of sometimes. We've all got something, right? We don't like to deal with conflict. And if you do, there's a problem with you. Don't tell me you like conflict. There's nothing good about it. Nothing good about it. There are three dangers that we face when we come into conflict. And these are the things that, that really do have an impact on how we move forward in conflict. The first one we need to understand is this, that being in conflict can really put you out of step with God's heart. God's will for us is that we are together in this. God's will for us is that we grow deeper in each other. Conflict doesn't stop that. Conflict, as I said before, is like the fork. It, you know, iron sharpens iron. We've got to work through these things. The problem is if we don't, we risk getting out of step with God's heart, which is what happens. It's what happens in relationships, in friendships. That's why people more and more tend to just move into the... Uh, I'm going on a side off, off here. C.S. Lewis wrote The Great Divorce, and it's a great book. You want to know about heaven and hell? He, he does it in such a great way. He shows, you know what heaven's like, uh, hell's like? Hell's like the, is it a suburb, right? All these people live in houses. And as they live in these houses, the houses get further and further away from each other. 
because they can't really deal with each other, so they push each other further and further away until you go right out into the, you know, into the countryside and there's Napoleon in his big country estate, away from everybody, going back and forth, trying to figure out how he lost that last battle. And I think that's what, that's what conflict does to us. It pushes people away from each other. It pushes us away from God if we allow it to take control in our lives. So being out of step with God's heart. John 17. Uh, you want to know Jesus' heart? Just read the one prayer that we have of Jesus where it takes up a whole chapter of John. He's monologuing with God. You want to hear his heart? Go there and read it. Because that will give you a real picture of what Jesus is actually about. What is, what is his heart about? He says this, My prayer is not for them alone, that's us, but I pray for those who will believe in me, or the, the apostles, I mean, pray for those who will believe me, them, uh, through, through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and me, uh, you and I am uh, in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Biggest criticism of the church is that we're no different to the world. We might look at Russia and Ukraine and all that's going on there, and say so there's some serious divisions there. But I've been in churches and it can feel just exactly like that. That we're divided. But yet here Jesus says that the way the world will know that you sent me is that we are in unity. Not uniformity, but unity. We're, we're in this. However hard this journey is going to be, we're going to travel it together. The second danger is being out, out of step with the body of Christ, with <laughs> being out of step with each other. Monica and I have been married 20, I think it's 29 years this year. It is 29 years this year. I've known her for 32 years. I, have don't, I don't remember a life without her. I don't, I mean, it was so long ago, because I'm only like 38, 39. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Conflict right there. <laughs> and I can't tell you the amount of times we've hit the wall together. The amount of times I've thought of walking away from it. The amount of times... I couldn't see a future. You think because I'm a pastor, I've got it all together. Yeah, no. Nah. And it's only been through hard work. And now I've gotten to the point where, yeah, we still have our fights. Bella is a testimony to that. Unfortunately, she lives in the same house as us. So she knows it all. And so do the neighbours. But there is a sense of belonging that I can't let go of. I can't imagine life without her. You're absolutely right. 
<laughs> from, the, from the mouths of babes. Um, I can't. And I'll be honest with you, there's many times I've wanted to walk away from the church. Many times. In fact, there was a stage when I did. But God just seems to kind of patiently pull me back in. And it breaks my heart when I see people walking away from this, walking away from community, coming up with reasons. Oh, church is messed up. Church is awful places to be. Yeah, they are difficult places. You all are not easy to get along with. You might think you are. I'm definitely not easy to get along with. I know that. But thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, huh? that in my brokenness, he fills. He steps in the gap. The power of what he does in bringing us together. Everyone here is so different. Everyone here from so many different walks of life. How much power is in that? All unique, all beautiful in God's eyes, all different. Being out of step with the body of Christ is a huge issue. This past week, I had a massive conflict with a person that I hold very high in regard. And I didn't know, you know, I think the brokenness of that conflict, you know, aside from the issues and all of that, was the relationship. And we finally got together on Thursday. We had a couple of hours, just the two of us to talk. And you know what? That night I slept. I slept well that night. It didn't solve the issues, but you know what it did solve? Our relationship. And we'll work through the anger, and we'll work through the brokenness. But it was just good to know that we can reconnect. Right? There's a piece about that that, transcends everything, beats any issue that you're facing. It's like when you make up with your partner. You don't really resolve the issue. You know it's going to come up again. You're going to fight. You're going to deal. But the moment you make up, in that moment, there is peace. Paul says in Ephesians, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you receive. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Peace. My grandmother in Italy was a very tough person. And boy, did she hit you hard. Can't do that today, I know. But you can't tell an old Italian woman that you can't be hit. Man, she would smack me in a way. I mean, I was 19 at the time. <laughs> Wasn't a kid. And why was she hitting me? Because I was late to lunch on Sunday. Because for her, the bond of what we had in family was far more important. Don't mess with that, Rob. Pow! <laughs> This was about that tall. But her hand was about this big. <laughs> that was how important it was for her. And now that she's not around, and most of the people on that room 
when I was 19, they're not around. I miss it. I miss it deeply. And I regret that I was immature not to see the importance of it. The other thing we've got to look at in the three dangers, the third one being is actually being out of step with ourselves. One thing conflict does when it doesn't get resolved, when it's not worked through, when it's not confronted, is that actually we're hurting ourselves just as much. There's no two ways around this. Forget about the creases around your eyes or the bags from not sleeping, you know, or the binge eating. I'm quoting myself here, but I'm just saying in general, all these things have an impact on us. That's because our spirit's out of line. There's no two ways around it. We, we forget. And I challenge people on this. Unforgiveness. When you're in a fight and if you're unable to do it, you're actually hurting yourself just as much as you're hurting the other person. You're impacting yourself more so than you're impacting anything else. You're the one that's going to come away with that bitter root growing within you. If it's not dealt with, it will just become this twisted thing within you. And, you know, we have a tendency to create our own narrative when it comes to conflict. I know I've done it this last week. You draw up this whole story out of nothing. And then you come to realize at the end of it, oh, why did I do that? In Hebrews 12, the author says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Don't allow this thing to just kind of twist you. And you can see it because, I mean, there's that famous phrase, hurt people hurt people. Because in the hurt dictates how we react. What I've learned in over 30 years being with one person is sometimes I just let the hurt come out. And it might hurt me, but I know it's not about me. We don't have that luxury with people we've just met or people we barely know. But if we can see that and not allow the bitterness within us to grow, to confront the conflict that we're faced with, Jesus came, his primary goal was to deal with the conflict of sin in humanity, to be the bridge that heals, to confront the very root within us that divides. He came to make right, he came to bring peace. In Colossians, Paul says, for God was pleased to have his whole fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, and through Jesus to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We always think of this top-down, God brought, Jesus brought us to reconnect with God, but he also came to reconnect each other. It wasn't just to reconcile our relationship with God, which is important. He also came to reconcile each other, which is why the cross makes such an amazing symbol. There's the up-down, and then there's the wide. His blood brings peace, real peace. And it cost him everything. 
Again, Paul says in Romans, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. Even through that, we are broken people. Even through that, it's hard to be at peace with everyone. And it's hard at times to be this peacemaker. But the challenge for us is to be a person who lives at peace with everyone. That is a person who can find rest regardless of circumstance, who can be joined regardless of acts committed, who is holistically aware of the causes of unjoining and unrestfulness and not afraid to deal with them in love. Conflict is not fun, but it is an amazing opportunity to grow deeper together. And the more we avoid it, the less opportunity we have to keep connecting and bonding. We just need to know how to do it well. So, your challenge this week, <laughs> that, that was just a sermon. Ooh, yeah. Challenge this week. Take a moment this week. Where are the conflicts in your life? Are there areas of unjoining and unrestfulness? I want you to make an effort to be the peacemaker. Not the peacekeeper, the peacemaker. And for some of you, that might be something that's been riling within you for a long time. It's affecting your car. You won't get a warrant of fitness if you haven't gotten this sorted. That sounds bad. I know. I don't mean it that way. Well, I do, yes. It's important. It will impact how you drive this car. Because others around you will see you flying through a roundabout without using your turning signal, and they won't be happy with you. Make every effort to be the peacemaker. What is inside of you that's, eh? Is there somebody in your life that you just can't look at? You're so angry. Is there something you're holding on to? Or are you just being the peacekeeper? I won't bring that up. I'm not going to deal with this because that's going to go bad if I say something. Believe me, it will come out in the least opportune moment and it won't come out the way you want it to. Talking from experience. Conflict. Woohoo. Uh, this time, not many people are smiling or laughing. <laughs> it's a fact of life. We are different, though, because we have Christ. So the challenge for you this morning is this. How can we be the peacemakers, the children of God, in this world, in our lives, to the people around us? Amen? I ask our music team to come up. Father God, there's a lot. <laughs> uh, I can imagine some of you are thinking, what are you telling us, Rob? I've just come here to relax. And Father, I just pray that, that if people are feeling unsettled right now, I pray your blessing in their lives. Pray that, that you let them know that you are the one in control here, Lord.
Because if we're left to our own devices, we, we muck it up all the time. We need your power. We need your presence. We need your guidance. So I pray, Lord, as those who might have felt a little convicted by this morning, you just give them your peace and your strength to face what needs to be faced. Ask this in Jesus' name.